go blue. Thank you for listening to the Daily Sports Report on 88.3 FM Ann Arbor, where the puck drops here. Let's get lost tonight. You could be my black Kate Moss tonight. Play secretary on the ball tonight. And you don't give a f- what they all say, right? Awesome, the Christian and Christian Dior. Damn, they don't make them like this anymore. I ask, cause I'm not sure. Do anybody make real anymore? Bow in the presence of greatness. Cause right now, that has forsaken us. You should be honored by my lateness. That I would even show up to this place. So go ahead, go nuts, go ace. Especially in my pastel on my plate. Act like you can't tell who made this new gospel. Homie, take six and take this. Hater. Hey, Susie. What's up? Oh, man, Billy. After a weekend of partying and getting tight as a tick, I spent all my money on beer and cigarettes. What are you doing Saturday, November 14th? God darn nothing, I'm broke. Then come to the museum for a free electro show. Free? Yes, Flashbulb and Dojo vs. Twitch will be playing in the University of Michigan Museum of Art on Saturday, November 14th. The show goes from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. It's a foray into the world of electronic music. It's an emergent, legitimate art form. Brought to you by WCBN FM Ann Arbor and UMA, the University of Michigan Museum of Art. Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim DeWire. Well, watch out for those drunks. Ann Arbor is alive and well today with St. Patty's Day revelry. Well, it's really been a few days in a row. On Saturday morning, there was already some signs of... uh, Drunken stupidity? Antic dispositions, yeah, drunken stupidity, uh, amateur day, as some call it. Yeah. Well, should be interesting. It's, Between it's, that and the potholes, uh, heads up out there. Yeah, right. <laughs> Don't uh, swerve to avoid the potholes. You might run into a uh, drunken leprechaun. <laughs> uh Obviously, most of the news, it seems like the last couple of weeks, or at least the last six or seven days, have been dominated by this strange disappearance of the airplane and, of course, the ongoing events in the uh, Crimean uh, region, Ukraine, yeah, etc. Crimea hasn't gotten this much attention since Alfred Lord Tennyson right. scribbled out his rather tedious... Uh, Piece, the Charge of the Light Brigade, which of course was uh, an incredibly ill-fated and uh, heavily doomed military uh, exploit. Just another proud moment in the British tradition of world domination. 
Yeah, and I'm not absolutely positive of this, but I, I remember a famous quote from a British uh, statesman from that era, I think in reference to that whole escapade. He said that the, um, the policy in the Crimea was worse than a crime. It is a blunder. That's right. <laughs> and I thought, you know, that's a perfect description of uh, George Bush's uh, foray into <laughs> Iraq. Um, wanted to give out a couple of quick brain damage awards and then we can move on to substantive stuff. Just absolutely bizarre to see that a Surgeon General nominee mm. has been torpedoed, and I use the word <laughs> uh, literally, torpedoed uh, because of his position on gun control. Uh, he, of course, is in favor of gun control, but I don't see the relevance of his opinion about gun control to his post as Surgeon General of the United States. Obviously, he has an opinion that guns are not Un in the public unhealthy, <laughs> not in the public interest. Well, I think the facts are in on that one. They do cause holes in flesh. Yeah, and therefore are deemed unhealthy. So we'll give the Senate a brain damage award. He's apparently uh, run into trouble from the NRA, and I'm a little unclear how or why the Surgeon General's position has anything to do with the gun control issue, because he can't do anything. Right. There's no say over that policy right. from the Surgeon General, even if, you know, like C. Everett Coop, he takes a particular stand on a certain issue uh, that may or may not jibe with the uh, administration he serves. Um, this just shows that there's a new litmus test uh, for the right-wingers. It's the abortion thing. Okay, not so much anymore. The gay marriage thing. Whoops, we're losing on that. Oh, guns. Yes. It's a litmus test. Well, and litmus tests abound everywhere. I just also wanted to point out that the media's coverage of this special election in Florida, I think, has been fairly inaccurate. I don't think that this was a referendum on Obamacare. I think this was basically a case of lots of outside money uh, creating a close race, and this uh, was a seat held by a Republican. Well, of course, that outside money wants the the voters of the country to think that it's a referendum on Obamacare. And turnout was exceedingly light, and I'd just like to point out that Mr. Jolly, who I guess we'll call Jolly Pickle from now on, <laughs> um, received 48.5% of the vote. Ms. Sink who uh, he defeated, received 46.6% of the vote. A libertarian candidate uh, picked up nearly 5%. So I wouldn't call that some sweeping victory uh, for the GOP in this special election. And out of how many people voting? Yeah. Right. Well, they don't so. have the raw numbers on that. I'm sure you can look it up. But uh, this is <laughs> probably less than a quarter of a million. You know, special elections are notorious for very low turnout, and that tends to help the moneyed interests. And we've seen that happen yet again. Now, it is true that the Democrats poured money into this race, uh, hoping they could pick up a seat. They didn't. Oh, well. So, uh, yeah, just a couple of quick political items, brain damage awards for silliness. And uh, as for the gun uh, issue, uh, this is just an interesting column by Joe Nocera, a couple of, uh, in response to the, uh, this was, this followed uh, Sandy Hook. Um, and incidentally, mm -hmm. the number of bills strengthening gun control, according to a Harper's Index, 
published back uh, last year uh, from the June uh, 2013 edition, number of bills strengthening gun control that have been signed into law since the Sandy Hook shooting, 14. Number weakening gun control, 37. <laughs> so, uh, so there you go. Again, uh, what interests the uh, gun manufacturers lobby serves is obviously not children in schools. But so. uh, it's amazing. He just, uh, no, no, Sarah, in a uh, January 29th uh, column from last year, just recited all of the gun deaths in just one week. Um, got a high school kid dying in L.A. Uh, for reasons no one can explain, a gunman in a light-colored older model vehicle gunned down the 18-year-old as he rode his bicycle home from his girlfriend's. Um, 16-year-old kid is now paralyzed from the waist down uh, in uh, Orlando, Florida. Baton Rouge said a man who was uh, playing with a gun uh, shot his two-year-old brother. I don't know how a man has a two-year-old brother, but... <laughs> Sounds like the connubial relations of uh, Louisiana. Yeah, well, but, you know, this guy's qualified to bear a firearm. So. In New Mexico, a, a teenager who used an assault rifle to kill his mother, father, and younger siblings told police he hoped to shoot up a Walmart after the family rampage and cause mass destruction. ABC News. That was from the 22nd of January. He just couldn't get a ride over there, probably. A uh, four-year-old boy uh, has died after being shot in the head Wednesday. This is from Akron, Ohio. Um, deputy sheriff located the child's body outside a Ford Taurus. There was a bullet hole in the roof of the car. Sounded like it was almost a random shooting. Yeah. You know, if these were like... Uh hip-hop CDs that were causing these sorts of bodily injuries, it, it would have been outlawed by now. I mean, it's So just, I think this uh, Surgeon General uh, appointee, now doomed to never attain that position, just might be onto something. <laughs> Indeed. Well, it's just uh, five days in January 2013 following the events of Sandy Hook. And, of course, I mentioned this because there was a very interesting article in last week's New Yorker, uh, from the father mm. of Adam Lanza, describing uh, his problems, <laughs> as well as the the mother's problems. Yeah, sure she, enough. She decided that going uh, shooting at the shooting range was good therapy for her troubled son. Exceedingly depressed yeah. and troubled son. Uh, minimum wage. Now, this is kind of another interesting item. I'll just report this. Over the weekend, they reported the first confirmed lesbian transmission of HIV. Woman-to-woman -woman HIV case reopened. Uh, this uh, courtesy of a uh, CDC control, which uh, you'd think uh, is actually the domain of the Surgeon General. <laughs> He's probably more interested in these kinds of things. True. Um, and that this probably occurred as the result of playing around with sex toys. <laughs> well, it was bound to happen. No word if uh, Newt Gingrich got in on the fun. 
Well, no word from Newt Gingrich at all uh, <laughs> about much of anything. Uh, it's too soon to joke about who you wish might have been on that missing plane, but maybe Newt could hop a plane to nowhere. Yeah, and uh, of course, the the thing that's actually going to interest me about this whole sort of strange investigation that seems to come out with just piecemeal information, mm -hmm. very little information, lots of speculation, but I'm very interested in the actual uh, issue of cell phone transmission. Uh, that was uh, raised as a questionable issue regarding 9-11, and uh, one would think uh, if there really were effective cell phones, that there might have been some reportage from these uh, 200 and... What's the cell phone connection to 9-11? Well, they, the United States reported all, all these cell phone calls that uh, were that occurred on the, uh, the the flight that hit the Pentagon. Oh, right, right. And the flight that That's crashed in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And uh, the, there have been some specialists that, that have disputed the ability of cell phones to transmit uh, that high in the air. So uh, I'm actually kind of interested mm -hmm. in some information regarding that, some confirmed cell phone transmissions. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. But the Malaysian officials seem to be kind of in a very strange uh, position of not knowing much. Well, and it's an international quandary because yeah. you've got Malaysian pilots. The flight is destined for China. Uh, so there's Chinese nationals on board. Uh, it, uh, you know, point of origin, blah, blah, blah. It's just uh, there's a lot of, uh, in a way, it's surprising this doesn't happen more often. The strange passport uh, issue and luggage, you know, that actually wasn't put on the plane, but apparently was... There was an attempt to do so. Yeah, but again, little things like that probably happen with every flight. You know, there's like, you know, every once in a while, somebody's going to get through with a scronky passport. Or uh, obviously baggage doesn't always make it on board. Uh, but uh, it seems to me like uh, planes used to crash more often. So it's been a while. Yeah. And that's part of what makes this so strange. Uh, Pacific Ocean is a pretty damn big place. Yeah, and now it's moved to the Indian Ocean. Right. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that's a lot of ground uh, to cover for uh, investigators. But, uh, I mean, the last words are certainly cryptic. It's, it's almost like Roanoke carved on the tree, you know. What is it? Uh, goodbye, good night. That's Edward R. Murrow's sign off, isn't it? Right. Almost. <laughs> oh, good good night and good luck, I think. <laughs> but uh it's just very uh, enigmatic. Yeah, and there was an Egyptian airplane that was was deliberately crashed into the ocean uh some many years ago. Where... And a French one that just sort of disappeared uh over the yeah. Antilles somewhere. It took a while for them to find the Brazilian. Right. It was coming from uh, Rio, but uh they seem to eventually find the wreckages in these cases one way or another. And it's fascinating with all of the focus uh, regarding the NSA story and surveillance um, <laughs> that this there seems to be some legitimate gaps in the, in the actual coverage of uh, airplanes. Uh, it's fascinating that a satellite orbiting the Earth uh, is actually the technology that they're now 
uh, relying on to claim that this airplane flew into the Indian Ocean somewhere. Hmm. So who knows? Uh, a fascinating ongoing story. And it's interesting to note when, you know, they, the re revelations have come out about Interpol and who's checking, you know, these suspicious stolen passports and whatnot. Uh, forging passports, by the way, was one of Whitaker Chambers's activities in the 1930s. So if anybody that uh, incompetent with his hands can uh, <laughs> forge passports, they, they used to go, his method, by the way, was uh, going to the uh, New York Public Library and just looking up uh, birth and death certificates in, out of the newspaper. Um, so this is obviously a problem, but it's interesting that um, there is a secret database of potential terrorists according to an article in the December 1st, 2013 edition of the New York Times on news analysis, a secret database of potential terrorists that includes 700,000 people. And they have a little chart there showing all of the agencies uh, in the United States government that uh, funnels this information uh, into uh, the terrorist screening database. It's like a college application program. <laughs> and it's uh, estimated that there are on the TSA watch list of people who, uh, it's, quote, extra screening is required. That's called the selected list. The expanded list includes extra screening required. And the no-fly list, uh, denial of air travel, estimated number 700,000. And uh, I really don't have any substantive information about this particular airline or why there would be conspiracy theories about it, but uh, those conspiracy theories seem to be going nowhere. Well, when you look at the uh, top end of this flow chart here, the two spectrums of uh, international nominees and then domestic nominees, well, going into the international cauldron, if you will, you've got... The CIA, the State Department, the FBI, the NSA, military intelligence of various natures, Homeland Security Department, and the good old Department of Intelligence, uh, the Defense uh, Intelligence Agency, all of which have competing interests. Yeah. And so it's a melange going in at best. <laughs> it's pretty remarkable that, uh, again... Not surprising that uh, they haven't been too conclusive about very much, uh, but uh, things are obviously going to get missed. No and you and you wonder watched. at some level how willing even somebody like the Chinese government would be willing to share information uh, with the public. Uh, it's interesting in that same Harper's Index that I just quoted. The amount that the Chinese government has budgeted for national defense, this is from last year, $117 billion. Uh, amount budgeted for domestic security, $125 billion. <laughs> so the Chinese, uh, amazingly, well, not amazingly, since they're well over uh, four, almost four times the size of the United States and people, spends even more money, theoretically, on domestic security than uh, the United States and those numbers have risen in the past decade just enormously, uh, thanks to the uh, Patriot Act, basically. 
Uh, I am still somewhat skeptical of terrorism here. I don't understand the motive or the purpose of a terrorist act involving this particular plane. It strikes me that we might have uh, some mental illness or, or something. I, I, something's missing. Well, uh, obviously more data required, uh, but they've taken the data in the Crimea, and there's been actually a vote. A referendum, yes. And uh, Crimeans uh, want to stay part of Russia. Lots of hue and cry about uh, the annexation of the Crimea. Of course, it was once part of the greater Soviet Union, uh, given to the uh, back to the Ukraine. Gifted which, by Khrushchev. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether shoes came with the gift or not, but <laughs> Khrushchev was kind of an erratic personality. Well, and it's interesting historically to note, as I've mentioned before, that the name Ukraine uh, comes from the Russian stem word for edge. It was always the outer edge of the czarist uh, realm. And so uh, it's always been part of Russia Yeah, uh, in that linguistic The empire, sense. so to speak. The empire, yeah. so to speak, as a separate sovereign entity uh, when they first successfully peeled off post-Soviet Union. I and others suggested they might want to consider changing their name, which has this historic, you know, sort of attachment to uh, Russia uh, empire. Um, but uh, as far as, you know, right-wingers in America who are going to make a lot of stink about this annexation of uh, the Crimea by Russia and the fact that, oh, this makes Obama look weak. Uh, well, John McCain has a piece in today's New York Times arguing that very point. Well, yeah, that's going to be a major talking point for uh, the, the right-wingers, that uh, this makes Obama look weak. But this really, I mean, what's Obama supposed to do about the Crimea? Well, and what is the loss of life at this point? The, you know, the, the, the Soviets have repositioned some troops, from what I can tell, and America does this all the time. Right. Well, we have war also, games, you know, everywhere. Yeah. And we've also annexed large quantities of turf uh, in which the people who lived on it had no referendum. No, exactly. Like the Diego Garcia uh, speaking in the Indian Ocean. There, there was a fascinating well, book. About I was thinking more about the contiguous 48 <laughs> states, you know, California, Arizona, New Mexico, but Diego Rivera, Hawaii. Yeah, well, the Diego Garcia base, which Diego is an Garcia. island in, in the Indian Ocean. There is the painter. Formerly... Uh, I believe at one point was actually a Portuguese possession, but it was a fueling station for Portuguese Navy. Yeah. And at some point the British uh, acquired it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's that word of convenience. Might've been a, a tea deal. I don't know. <laughs> or opium one or the other. <laughs> one of the, one of the, the Kings of Portugal might've run into some <clears throat> indebtedness problems somewhere along the line. But in any case, uh, yeah, the, the United States and Great Britain forcibly removed uh, you know, pretty much the indigenous population of this uh, island to set up a massive military base that has been used uh, frequently to bomb Afghanistan, uh, Vietnam, <laughs> uh, Iraq. Uh, the list goes on. It's a so sort of this a, is one of those sauce for the gander uh, sort of arguments uh, about you know oh poo poo on this annexation. Well. Okay, well, what about us? Yeah, well, they were, as I recall from the, histor the, the historical, and of course, all of these documents are secret. Uh, you know, they keep releasing uh, files from the Bill Clinton administration. <laughs> I wonder why. 
Uh, with Hillary probably running for president in 2016, but we we can't get a lot of these Cold War uh, this Cold War information. In fact, I believe it was a British writer that found out about all of these shenanigans that went on in the 1950s. But uh, these people were like forcibly deported to Madagascar, you know, just <laughs> thousands of miles, thousands away. of miles. Uh, not Kazakhstan, not uh, Siberia, which of course the Soviets. We're famous for doing uh, repeatedly. Stalin, of course, uh, was always very suspicious of any uh, ethnic groups that he didn't quite trust. Um, and I'm kind of curious what where John McCain was back uh, a couple of years ago when Putin was doing all of this in, in Georgia. Right. <laughs> was uh, he talking about the the weakness of... George W.? I don't know. I don't seem to remember him screaming about the Georgia policy uh, because the United States didn't have much to do. And it's yeah. quite obvious that from a geostrategic standpoint, uh, co you know, uh, cooperating with Russia on Iran and Syria, which are far more uh, relevant to America's uh, global security needs Indeed. and interests is actually a far more important thing. I think that this, uh, these sanctions, quote-unquote, directed at 21 individuals <laughs> is obviously uh, not going to be a, a terribly effective policy and will certainly, um, well, but more talking is better than, uh, than actual silliness about uh, talking about military action. Uh, the United States is not required, by the way, to protect the Ukraine. Uh, there seems to be some erroneous assertions to the contrary, and I don't understand where this talk comes from. It's just mind-boggling. Well, I mean, it's a sort of a bizarre, you know, childish perspective that conflates NATO with the United States itself. Yeah. You know, that, oh, well, you know, if Poland is attacked, we're going to war. <laughs> You know, no, we're not. Mandrake, the redcoats are coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Feed me, Jack, and I fed you. <laughs> War is our business. Peace is our business. Peace is our profession, yes. <laughs> Peace is our profession. War is our business, yeah. yeah. Fascinating uh, st uh, article, by the way, in the most recent edition of the New York Review of Books regarding the 50th anniversary of uh, Dr. Strangelove. Oh. Yeah. Fascinating. Uh, I'll I, have to I dig that one up. Yeah, I didn't bring it in with me, but it's uh, one of those things that I quickly read. It was uh, yeah, very interesting, of course, uh, how they came up with the... Uh, basically, it actually talks a little bit about the screenplay, working on the screenplay. Hmm. Um Kind of interesting news today that, you know, the stock market went up quite a bit in response to increased productivity in the United States, economic productivity. And, I, I, I you know, one of the big themes of the uh, political season so far has been a big debate about the minimum wage. Well, I think uh, people had a little bit more money to spend. They'd be a little bit more enthusiastic about working. Now, we know where this is going. Uh, of course, uh, John Boehner says, well, if you don't have a job, you don't care about the minimum wage. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> the question is, when is he going to be without a job? 
But it's fascinating that uh, an analysis uh, in the New York Times just a couple of weeks ago, you know, basically arguing for the case for a higher minimum wage, made the observation that if labor productivity had been basically kept pace with wages the way in theory that's uh, that's the theory behind the American dream the minimum wage uh, based on later labor productivity would be about $18 an hour so we know where the money is going uh, it's going offshore into multinational corporations that are using the Cayman Islands and other <laughs> various tax havens to hide billions and billions of dollars. Well, it also goes into the coffers of people who spend it in a tax-deductible manner on political advertising. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, just an interesting note that the Chamber of Commerce threw a a cool $1 million into this special Mm. election in Florida. Why they would uh, be so concerned about one particular seat escapes me. But uh, a report just last year... um, noted uh, regarding this so-called gilded age and the problems with it is that the top 10% of Americans took home half of the American income in 2012. Uh, This, of course, is what this income inequality debate is all about. And uh, these, of course, are academic studies. Uh, These uh, are the prominent economists, Emmanuel Saz, and Thomas Piketty, uh, basically writing for a scholarly journal out of Berkeley. Well, that's clearly going to be one of the uh, hot and probably very divisive issues, uh, the way the uh, media will be encouraged to spin it by the spending that will be involved on uh, the minimum wage. Another study, uh, this is an article uh, in a recent New York Times uh, editorial section of the Sunday paper uh, notes that uh, the 7.25 is the current minimum wage. Eight dollars and eleven cents is the 2013 poverty wage for a single full-time worker with one child. That's uh, that's pretty dire poverty wage uh, for a single mother with a child. Eight dollars an hour. And, of course, the other interesting little factoid there is it shows that uh, only 24% of workers receiving the minimum wage are these teenagers that Mm. the Republican Party say, this is where you got to get your start in life, brother. you got to work at McDonald's and learn how to mop floors and chop the cheese. Well, the problem is that those jobs that used to be, you know, pretty much the the province of teenagers are now uh, taken by uh, middle-aged folks who can only get part-time work elsewhere. Yes, indeedy. Well, we would like to thank Andrew for engineering once again here on Gray Matters, here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Yazoo City Calling is coming up next right up here on this fine station. Stay tuned.
That's Lil Armstrong in the background on the piano doing the original boogie. Telling you it's time for Yazoo City Calling here on WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor.